Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek, episode 125. I'm Andrew. And I'm dude's disembodied head in a jar. If wishes were horses. If only. <laughs> never look never look at a horse in the mouth. Why not? What does that even mean? I don't know. I, I figured looking in a horse's mouth is important, even if it was given to you as a gift. Well, so apparently one of the ways you can tell the quality of a horse is by its teeth. So I have heard that. That's, but that's, why would they tell you never to look at a Like, ne- what if the horse is sick? But it was a free horse. It was a free horse. <laughs> Just let it die. That's a living goddamn thing. Oh my God! People are awful. Yeah, someone. Some, that means someone is bumming off vet bills on you. Is what they're doing. Oh, that's basically it. I don't want this anymore. Here, take care of this. Which would happen to me. I would go along with it if it were a cat. I yeah. Totally do. Yep. Yes, you would. Yep. So we've got our full slate today, talking the deaths of Harry Dean Stanton and Len Wein. J.J. Abrams is returning to direct Star Trek. Marvel is bringing back the original Jean Grey. Futurama's coming back as a podcast. We're going to talk the continuing juggernaut that is it and. And the latest Seth MacFarlane television show, The Orville. By the way, Abrams is coming back to direct Star Wars. Star Wars, yes. It's okay. I forgive you for making that mistake because he's basically done it all at this point. He has, and it's I can't tell if it makes me happy or sad. So let's just get right into this because last week we talked about Rain Johnson being reported as coming back for episode nine after Colin Trevorrow was axed by Kathleen Kennedy over at Lucasfilms. And then we had a fight about hypothetical possible directors. And now we don't have to fight anymore. It's J.J. Abrams. It is. And I think fans of the series are going to be happy. My head has exploded. However, given the alternatives we talked about last week, I don't mind this as much. Right. It could be worse. It could have been a lot worse because we were talking about like guys like Ron Howard and freaking George Lucas coming back. And we get J.J. Abrams, the guy who's basically jump-started three franchises and made billions of dollars. So I, I feel like this is a fairly safe move for Lucasfilms to make. It is. I, I, I would agree. I actually I get the feeling that uh, Trevor Rose's departure was not as pleasant as, as could be. The actor who plays General Hux came out and gave a super, super whitewashed kind of political... Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm sure it was just, it was fine. And you're like, anytime someone comes out and insists on saying that, I immediately just go, oh, sh- things were a fucking train wreck. I'm certain they were a complete disaster over there. I mean, that's the thing with these big franchises. And this was actually an article on, on the Hollywood Reporter. I don't think I posted it on the Facebook page, but but uh, not the Hollywood Reporter. It was the L.A. Times where they talk about uh, directors were once Hollywood kings. But in the age of franchises, they're increasingly interchangeable. And that, that's the headline from the L.A. Times. And. I think for these big tentpole projects, I think that's the case. And I bet you, like, Lucasfilm's trying to go with the young, up-and-coming, hot, cool directors. I got a vision. I'm going to do something unique and different with Star Wars and add my spin to it. That shit's just not going to fly. It's just not. Well, I feel like there is a sense of needing to do that because... George Lucas was one of those guys at one point. And they're like, well, sure. if, if George gave us all of this, what can these new guys who have the same quote unquote spirit as George, right. you know, what can they give us? The answer is probably not as much as George did. Or, or they could probably give you all sorts of crazy stuff. You just might not like it because it's not what George did. Right. It's not Star Wars. It's not Star Wars. We got a brand. We have a franchise. And for all the kind of interesting takes I would like to see taken on the Star Wars movies, at this point, there's no reason to F with the brand because it's made of billions and billions of dollars right was it force awakens made two billion dollars worldwide why would you want to f with this right that makes it the third highest grossing film right don't f with this just find basic workman directors and just make a star wars movie i think that's 
no one's clamoring for a Christopher Nolan Star Wars or a or really any kind of like well, artsy yeah. farts, any, uh, any anything different. It just, it just makes Star Wars. You know, again, you and I have talked about this. I also think that we're in a an age where we don't necessarily have a whole lot of those visionary type well, we definitely ar- Artur-esque directors. I wouldn't call them strictly right. Artur, but... No, no, no. But I, th- I know exactly where you're going. And yeah, that's the case. And look, I love directors as much as the next guy. I'm one of those guys who organizes movies by directors. I think it's super important. But after your movie grosses $2 billion worldwide, my opinion just doesn't matter. Like, the proof is in the green right there. The green, the big green pudding. Big green money pudding. I mean, to be fair, I don't know that yours, your opinion or my opinion matters, even if they don't make any money at all. Well, that's true. But I like to think that, you know, at least poor people pay attention. Give some sort of sage advice. I mean... But that's just... You know, you're miss. You can't see the really confused look on my face, but it's there. No, because you turned the camera off. Yeah, well, it's okay. My camera's on. Anyway, so that's it. Abrams. Yeah. Eh, I think the fan base, for the most part, is gonna be happy because they do. A lot of people really liked Forced Awakens. They did. So I think people will be happy to see him come back. So I'm interested in your take on someone coming back to life that I didn't even know was dead in the first place. Marvel Comics brings back the original Jean Grey, like a phoenix. Ooh, what is this all? So, Jean Grey has been back lately as the young, time-displaced Jean Grey, but this is Marvel's plan to bring the original Jean Grey back into the the Marvel canon, and I'm not sure how they're going to do it. The title of the miniseries they're doing it in is going to be Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, so I assume, you know, fairly obviously that it's going to involve the Phoenix Force in some fashion. Jean Grey has been dead since, I think it's X-Men 150, which was uh, part of the Grant Morrison reboot after the... the first set of x-men films so 2003 ish maybe now this is a woman who's died a few times in the franchise she like has. she died in the 70s she died what a few times in the 90s and then i guess this reboot they kill her do they kill her basically the same way does she get like dr- drowned in a pond or something well so this wasn't a, this wasn't a reboot this was just part of part of a reboot Kind of. So after the films, Grant Morrison took over doing adjectiveless X-Men title that Jim Lee and Chris Claremont had started. <laughs> right. This was from the, the 70s. Right? No, this is from the 90s. Oh, the 90s. So okay. so starting in the 90s, there were two titles. There was Uncanny X-Men and then there was just adjectiveless X-Men. <laughs> that's, what it's, that's what it's called because then you had like Astonishing X-Men. Right. And like, so... Does it literally say adjectiveless in, on the cover? Please no, tell me. no, it um, doesn't. But I really I... wish there were, there were a parody that did. Really... Yeah. I'd like to introduce friends like that. This is my adjectiveless girlfriend. Yeah, until she beats the shit out of you for that. That's true. Anyway, so this is this is the series that Chris Claremont and Jim Lee started in the 90s. Grant Morrison took it over in the early 2000s as not a reboot, but a re-imaging of the X-Men, more in the style of the movies, a little bit more realistic in the costumes, things like that. And so for in issue 150, Jean Grey dies. So and she has she, been dead for a while. Yeah, about the last 10 to 12 years. Wow, that's that's commitment. It is, and you know, part I, I'm a little torn on this one. One, I do in, really love the original Jean Grey, so I'd love to see her come back in, in that respect. That I'd love to see her in current stories, and there's a few characters I would really like to see her interact with that didn't exist 10, 12 years ago. Having said that, I think every time that they kill a character and then eventually bring them back, it just further degrades what a character's death means anymore in comics. I was curious, like how you were going to take this because from my perspective Jean Grey is kind of like to me the most expendable X-Men out there look my only interaction with 
with her was is basically like the movies and the television show. So she could have. I didn't even know she had bitten the dust to begin with. She strikes me as like the least cosplayed X Men character at the conventions these days. So I is there an outcry to bring her back, or was it she just got forgotten? No, she certainly hasn't gotten forgotten. Uh, and I see. I mean, you, you say that there's not a whole lot of cosplay. I fairly regularly see a Dark Phoenix or a Phoenix cosplay. Do you? I, I can. I've yet. Well, I probably for, haven't even noticed. For, I think that's one of those things. Yeah, it's just it just kind of blends into everything. It, after a while, it, it's not to the same extent as Deadpool, but it's that same idea where after a while, you've seen one Jean Grey, you've seen them all. Yeah. You've seen one idiot in a Deadpool costume, you've seen every idiot in a, idiot in a Deadpool costume. And they're always idiots. I was like, and frequently they're all together. All the idiots in all the Deadpool costumes. Yeah, they do kind of like swarm together like cicadas. Yeah. People in Spider-Man costumes have started doing that, too. I think it's the same guys in Deadpool costumes, and it's now irritating <laughs> it's me. It's just, just rotating every other day? Yeah, as a side note, like there was a, an article I found somewhere a while back, and I know I posted it on the site, and I just don't remember when, so I can't I have a hard time finding it. But basically, it was it's gotten to the point where Deadpool and Harley Quinn cosplays have just become an excuse for people to act like assholes. Yeah, I believe that, too. I remember I was at some podcast recording panel at Phoenix Con two years ago. Not this past Phoenix Con, but the one before it. Right. And like there was a dude in a Deadpool cosplay who was just being a tool like and he was like playing the part. He, he got up on stage kind of like the way I did at the oral panel, but like more dumb. Right. So anyway, I had something to say. Anyways, getting back to Jean Grey, I, I don't know that there's a cry to bring her back necessarily. I think a lot of fans. I think you're going to have mixed feelings, but I think generally people are excited to see her come back. I mean, she's been a fan favorite for a long time. It's funny that she is like the stereotypical epitome of a character who dies and comes back constantly. Right. When that's not necessarily the case. She's died a she couple of times. She definitely strikes me as the, like, the, the Marvel Kenny. She's come back a couple of times, but not anywhere near as many as people think. And I think part of that is because that same death has been done in so many different ways ways right yeah. it was done in the comics it was done then in the cartoon it was done in the movie like it mm -hmm. is one of the end of dark phoenix saga is one of like the seminal moments in marvel comics and we all just kind of associate Jean gray with that death i think she yeah, only i guess there's like yeah, I mean, I guess a character needs a good death. Good for her. And well, that one, that was a good one. I mean, actually, to be honest, her last one was also pretty good. Um, she starts losing control of the Phoenix Force, and, and Wolverine is forced to kill her. Right. Kind of like the, the end of okay. X-Men 3. But it's a lot more touching, because at that point, she basically... She basically admits that all I've done is let you down and die. I was going to just bring that up because, <laughs> I mean, I get the Phoenix Force is like a really big deal in the comic book universe, but can you think of a time where Jean Gay was really interesting and not involved with the Phoenix? Every re I, I looked her up recently. It's like every summary of her existence has something to do with the Phoenix. Like she had to have done something more interesting than that. I think she's a lot more interesting in some of the X Factor era. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll see what they do. I, I'm All curious right. to see her interaction with young Jean Grey and with Hope Summers. Yeah, wondering how they're going to work that one out. That's just going to be weird. All right, speaking of weird and coming back from the dead, the show that cannot be killed, Futurama, <laughs> is back in podcast form. I it just really can't. Yeah. It's amazing. Now, I am not the biggest fan of this show. I truly enjoy the first three seasons and the second half, fourth season. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I really can't. I think the show was really great before it went off the air the first time. I don't remember where that exactly where that falls, but that first run, I think, is... So, yes, I'm, that's what I'm referring to. The first run, if I am not mistaken, are the first four seasons. I thought it went to five, but I could be wrong. I don't believe so, but it could have been. I know the original end is the episode 
episode with the devil bot. Yes. That's oh, that's such one. a good ending. It's a fantastic ending. And I believe it's either three or four. I'm certain there were three seasons before that. Either way, th- those original ones are fantastic. And then it kind of came back as a like a series of TV movies. And then it came back as like a series of miniseries and then a TV show. It, it, it did a bunch of things that could never really hook me and it never really got me interested. I don't know about you. I would but... say it's a lot more hit and miss when it comes yes. back. Becky is a huge fan I mean, I enjoy it, but as a result, I've watched a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And there are parts that are definitely very, very funny, mm-hmm. even in the new stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are parts that, that aren't as good, and it's just right. not as consistent. Yeah, I was about to say the consistency was kind of an issue. So it's come back in podcast form. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. It's the, It was, I guess, premiered on the Nerdist podcast. I listened to it. It's like a two-parter. I listened to the first part. I listened to about maybe 20, 30 minutes. It's okay. But I think what just just makes this noteworthy is this show has been with us since before we were in college. Oh, yeah. And I guess what I find interesting about it is that it speaks to the diversity of mediums and how a franchise can survive. It really is remarkable. What blows my mind even more is that they've been able to keep the original voice cast pretty much together. True. And it's not that hard because Billy West is like five of them. But Yeah, Billy West is a bunch of them, and then now Katie Seagal is not doing a whole lot. Right, after she did Sun- Sun's Anarchy yep. or wrapped up but good for them yeah i mean good on matt graining for keeping it going too make that money all right all right now we're going to talk to people who actually uh aren't coming back to life this time yeah well just death is a theme to in today's episode it, yeah it kind of is yeah so first up is harry dean stanton who most recently is is well known for his role in the hbo series big love mm-hmm. uh, but who has done small roles in movies like alien and escape from new york and he really was just one of those character actors that you would see all over the damn place yeah i mean he was in the first avengers movie he had like a brief cameo in that didn't he yeah yeah he was the old guy talking to bruce banner after he fell off the helicarrier he's like sitting there all buck nude and everything yeah he he has a very small role in one of my favorite films fear and loathing in las vegas mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's just he's all over the place and has been for decades yeah and what blew my mind is that he was 91 see that doesn't blow my mind because he looked old in alien and alien was in 1979 it's true but 91 i mean he was working I mean, this means he was working up into his 80s, late oh, 80s. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good for him, but... He uh, apparently has a, an impressive singing voice mm. as well. He, he sang, uh, first sang in Cool Hand Luke. Oh, shit, he is in that movie. Right, that's how far back we're talking. He goes, he goes 1967. Yeah, that's a great film. That I mean, is just really great Yeah, movie. and just in general, I mean, he has been in all kinds of stuff. Like, scrolling through uh, his obituary from the New York Times, mm-hmm. he was in Westerns, he was on Rawhide, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. I mean, yeah, this is just, this is nuts. And he sang Twin at, Peaks. apparently, yeah, he was, I think he also re- reprieved his role in the Twin Peaks series, I he think. He did. Uh, but I was, I'm just looking at the Variety obituary. He was also personal friends with Hunter S. Thompson, and speaking of singing voice, sang at the funeral. That doesn't surprise me, again, no. with, with him being in Fear and Loathing. Right, makes sense, makes more sense, so. And who else passed away? Another comic book icon. Yeah, another comic book icon, Len Wein passed away. So Len Wein is best known as the co-creator of Wolverine, along with uh, Dave Cockrum. Or actually, no, he didn't, he didn't co-create the Wolverine with 
Dave Cockrum. He co-created him with Herb Trimp. He rebooted the X-Men in, in the 1970s with Dave Cockrum. So how that went was Len Wein and Dave Cockrum wrote Giant Size X-Men number one, and then Chris Claremont took over with X-Men, I think it's 94. Okay. So it basically it went Giant Size and then, and then X-Men 94. He also wrote a fairly significant run on Swamp Thing, and he was the editor of Watchmen. So cool. a lot of really big, important comic book properties this man was very involved with. Passed away at age 69, uh, and at least the article I have says the cause of death is unknown. Mm. And in, in general, he is one of the people who comic creators, like current ones like Kurt Busiek, Brian Michael Bendis, mm-hmm. all really take a lot of inspiration from mm-hmm. so, and i think bendis was one of the guys who who mentioned his death on twitter yes he did yep and i think bendis also says i don't have it in front of me where he says like he doesn't get enough credit for the work he's done and just with you rattling off his credits it certainly sounds that way yeah no, and it's he's a name that you just you don't necessarily associate with things because he had bits and pieces here and there but they're important little pieces like i said you know wolverine was was created in an issue of hulk it was it wasn't an x-men issue right and that that run of hulk other than that is fairly unremarkable and then he did giant size x-men number one but he didn't continue on with the rest of that series it got taken over by chris claremont Mm -hmm. so it's the beginning of this huge era and he's the he's the one who put all the pieces in place for that team he added wolverine and storm and colossus all those characters to that team but then he's not the one who took that team to the the places it went that fans love so much (laughs) he didn't take it to the promised land right you know it's funny you mentioned like he's kind of it's kind of a moses like moses doesn't get him all the way through right just starts right starts the sea for them. yeah then, and then gets mad because they don't pay attention he brings down 15 commandments drops one of them right. he's gotta improvise <laughs> is, it, is it bad that i had that same thought as soon as, no, soon as they started, ever- we started going to the, fi- the commandments it was like these 15 crack 10 commandments that's one of the greatest gags in, in cinematic comedy history in my opinion uh, history so, of the world part part one is so funny yeah all right so we got to talk briefly about it and and the nostalgia machine just steamrolling everything yet again. Now, I get it. The second week in this month had no real contenders as Darren Aronofsky's horror film Mother with a lowercase m and an exclamation point right. uh, got an F on CinemaScore and made no money. But I do think we got to talk about how impressive it's been since we have talked about it last week. I spoke to other bunch of people who have seen it, a couple of my friends. And everyone seems to have kind of the same opinion. They all dug it to some extent or another. No one I spoke to was blown away by it. Right. But I guess the word of mouth is good enough to keep it going. So it had a $60 million weekend. And, $60 million. And it's two-week total as of yesterday, uh, according to Box Office Mojo, is $218.8 million That's some serious paper. For a $35 million film. That is, that is great, man. That, yeah, yeah, that, love is, those. that is amazingly impressive. What I thought was really funny in the second paragraph of the Box Office Mojo article, it talks about within, uh, it goes through how much it's come to, and then it says, already mentioned it makes... It the largest summer release topping Croc 1986's Crocodile Dundee. And I, part of me went, I didn't realize Crocodile Dundee was like a record setter. Would never have imagined that, like in a million years. No, although I can it, see it because I mean it spawned what 
two sequels? Sure, sure. It don't take that much to spawn suit. I would never, I would never have guessed. I think it, if you had, it, if it, it was like a Trivial Pursuit and said, "What was the highest grossing September movie?" You know, since 1986, my ass would never have said Crocodile Dundee. No, no matter how many times I watched that stupid rerun on Channel 11 out of New York. No, I wouldn't have either. But at the same time, in the 80s, it took a lot more to get a, a sequel than it did now. Okay, yes, but still, it's very easy now to do it. But 174 million in 1986, pretty damn good amount of money. This is true. That's, that's pretty impressive. I have a feeling this will not last because of Kingsman next week. Yeah, I suspect you're right on that one. I'm actually going to make an effort to see Kingsman because I didn't see it when it first came out and a lot of people liked it. I don't know what the buzz is right now about the new one, but I'm I'm willing to see it just because Channing Tatum and Jeff Bridges are in it now. Yeah, so I finally I finally just got around to seeing the first one like two weeks ago. Oh, I still have to do that. I actually really enjoyed it. See, that's what everyone's response has been. I actually liked it. Like, no one expected to like it. Well, after as much as Tracy talked about it, I actually did expect to like it. It, oh, was, really? just, it was like, I finally watched this stupid movie. <laughs> I've been saying I wanted to for a long time. It was like 99 cents to rent it off of Amazon. Oh, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, so I was like, ah, that's worth it. I, I can pay a dollar yeah. and not get my fat ass off the couch. Sure, as if, you know, you need an excuse not to get off the couch. I mean, it helps. It, yeah. It helps to stay on the couch. If I have right. any, if I have an excuse, I look like less of a fat ass. <laughs> I need some excuse. All right. So that being said, you did get a chance to see Orville, right? Yes, I did, and you you did as well. We watched the first episode because the first episode was like free on Hulu, and I was like, I'll watch something for free. I'll be honest, I liked it. I thought it was pretty funny. I I'm curious was, to see where this show is going to go. I thought it was middle of the road. I think it has potential. Yeah. And I will give it enough credit to say that the things it is getting compared to, it's not a fair comparison. What it, is, I, now that I haven't heard. Well, like people are comparing it to like Galaxy Quest and stuff, which I think conceptually a little bit, but Galaxy Quest is an hour and a half movie. Right. This, this is a television show. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's not a, I mean, I understand that it's in the same vein of kind of a Star Trek parody or, you know, it's taking the kind kind of Star Trek, I don't know, mythos and kind of putting a, I don't know, I want to say cynical spin on it, but more of a down-to-earth spin, not a kind of hoity-toity, look at us, we're in spandex, Right. We talk kind of gay. <laughs> it's just, it's not that. It, it's more of like a, I guess, down to earth, more of kind of, plus it's jokey. So it's got like, it does, I think it has room to grow because it can play on some of the goofy tropes well, and I, that, I, I think that Star Trek's built up. I think if it works on that, I think it will do better. I thought a lot of the jokes in the first episode fell flat. Randomly inserted sex jokes, which are funny in the right context, but it just felt like, oh, okay, Seth MacFarlane throwing out Seth MacFarlane material. Well, yeah, no, it's definitely Seth MacFarlane. I actually appreciated that because I thought there was an element of novelty there. And, I mean, like, my personal favorite joke of the whole episode was when he moves the guy on the view screen. Oh, no, that was, see, that was really funny. I really liked, I want to see more of that. And I think right, some of, like, I, the... I think that kind of, I think that kind of joke will work. I think, I think repeated dick jokes are going to get old real fast. Yeah, but you and I have, are, are close enough to the military that dick jokes don't ever seem to get old to some people. They don't. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen we've seen that same Seth MacFarlane sense of humor in three other shows, and I kind of want to sure. see more out of him. And I think it's there. I think there's a potential. I was actually no, I, really I surprised so. with how seriously they took parts of that movie or that show. Yeah, that was the thing that I thought was pretty cool. Was like parts of it were really, really funny. I mean, really, really serious. And then they break the tension with this kind of very 21st century joke. I appreciated it. Well, I, and I'm, were, I'm willing to give it, to give it more of a shot. Also, it, it looked good. Like the visuals. 
screens. Like, the how visuals, much do they spend on this? Yeah, that 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 is the question, though. Is if the ratings are only so-so, how much are they spending on it, and how much are they willing to spend on it for the ratings they're getting? Right. Uh, the other thing, I, I mean, there was one great. I don't even know if it was in like how much of a joke it was when they're running from the aliens outside and they just all decide to start running through the pool instead of like around. Right. To me, that was just hysterical. Because it's just, it's so ludicrous. Right. No, I, I, again, I, I really thought it has potential. Some of the humor falls flat, but I think there's room for improvement and it's not a total fucking train wreck. Well, yeah, we were just talking about this last week and I finally caught up to that, that documentary Chaos on the Bridge. And I mean, the original, the Star Trek Next Generation had like what appears to be a nightmare start, like a thorough nightmare start. And they, they finally grew into themselves. It took them three seasons to finally catch their swing i'm willing to give this show a chance to try and find its voice properly i i am having said that i think we have enough historical data to say that fox is not yes Fo- fox true. is willing to axe a show if someone sneezes at the wrong fucking second yeah yeah i know that's that's totally true star trek had uh, next generation had a very generous cushion nothing on fox no has it but then again how long did the cleveland show last come on what i'm saying yeah i mean i don't think i don't think the cleveland show was ever particularly funny no neither did i but what is, it lasted what three seasons four i don't know neither do i i didn't watch it but <laughs> it lasted longer than most some fox shows anyway well okay so what have you been up to uh so i've been doing a fair amount of like star trek actual research for our upcoming star trek podcast and i need to do that yeah well <laughs> <laughs> i've been i watched chaos on the bridge I've which just, which, need, which actually need... is a very good documentary um it was actually real. i didn't know you didn't tell me Shatner was in it. I, I, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the Shatner's. You did not mention that. The, so that was a pleasant and very funny shock to just watch Shatner. Like my, my favorite part of that one is when Jonathan Frakes talks about them screwing off on set, mm-hmm. and Shatner just kind of looks at him like shocked, and he's like, "Oh, come on, Bill." Right. Right. Just I, that was the funny thing to me is the, the, the kind of subtext of the whole documentary was. Shatner just glowing in all the horror stories that he was getting. Yeah. Did you not know? I mean, he was just eating that up because, you know, he even admitted in the documentary he was a little miffed he wasn't asked back. Well, there was so, that. There was also my the other great part was when they were talking about you can have a bald a bald captain. You know, you want, need someone you know good looking and this you know like like Bill Shatner, and then it just cuts to Shatner just kind of sitting yeah, there, just soaking it up. That that was that was worth it. That was good. Uh, I have started reading Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph That's Campbell. That is a great book. I, have uh, a, I, I mean, there are parts of this where I'm going, fuck, this dude's saying things I don't understand. That's true. It's a very academic book, and some of his references don't, like, you're like, what? I'm just going, I'm just going, shit, I, oh, God damn it. Yeah, that 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 that'll happen. But no, it's a, it's actually very fascinating. Uh, I finished the the book I had on comic book censorship, which I didn't actually realize was printed in 1998. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even get anywhere close to the end of the comics code. Ah, it, it, I didn't realize that until I kind of started getting towards the end of the book, and I thumbed like, when was this printed? 1998. And I was like, oh, that explains a few things. So there's that. Becky and I started rewatching because we were talking Star Trek a lot, watching Next Gen, and we stopped last. night night because she didn't want to get into it only part way we stopped at best of both worlds part one there that's a good spot to stop that's a, that's a great episode though like a great two-part yeah this is when the show starts really ramping up mm-hmm. this is the end of the third season right end of the third season yep mm-hmm. so i'm excited about uh getting to watch that tonight mm. so 
Uh, Dave, what have you been up to? So this weekend I had a couple shows because I'm trying to get back into performing more. So I was at the Comedy Palace doing the Friday night show. And that went well. I'm working on a couple new bits. I'm excited about that. I haven't really added much to the show in a while. So I'm like... Are you actually adding things that are funny? Of course. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) Um... You know what? It's funny because you know you had a good show when somebody asks you back. You know you know you had a rough set when someone comes up to you after the show and went, man, you were great. You didn't get enough credit from the audience. And you go, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> ah, shit. Yeah, it's that moment. I of... thought I did better than that, but yeah. okay. Okay. But, you know, that night I got hired for a private show the very next day at some – I had no idea what they were hiring me for. So they're like – you're going to do a show at a school. Okay, it's tomorrow at 8 o'clock for, a, like, a church group. And I'm like, sure, that that sounds great, and I'll, I'm just going to do it. It turns out it was this outdoor festival in El Cajon for American Caldinians. Caldonians. It's it's like an ethnic group from southeastern Mesopotamia. Like, a, like a, I guess they're Christian Iraqis or something. Huh, interesting. I thought they were Armenians at first, and then I had to, like, I saw the, the the thing, and then I had to like use my phone brain to tell me what the, who they were. Right. But like, I was outdoors. I was wearing my suit. I had no idea I was going to be outdoors. I had no idea the audience was going to be. You know, English was not their first language. Right. So that was diff. It was difficult community. I, I basically did the show out, and then I had a microphone right that was wireless because they didn't set the chairs up in front of the stage. They were like like at like a 30 degree angle so you were they were looking at the like at the stage at an angle so it was super weird so i got got in front of the wireless mic but because it was a wireless mic it was picking up sound from the speaker so it was like freaking out yeah it was you know ringing so i just basically did the show silently and i got away with it somehow it it worked but that was interesting just yelling at tony i was like next next time just tell me i'm going to be outside i'll dress down or do the silent act that's the thing is you could cheat Magicians can do silent acts, and they'll love you no matter what. Just, just don't talk. It's cheating, but it's I just mean, I cheating. generally appreciate when you don't talk. So, so does my girlfriend. And then afterwards, Baruch and I play finally played Star Wars Rebellion, the board game. Nice. How'd that go? Oh my God! It's so. It took us four hours to finish it. You still have an erection, don't you? Yes, I have to go get a doctor to check it out. I'm on Pyres of Permanente now, so I can do it all in one building. It's pretty, that's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> It's actually really cool. No, it's 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 a really cool asymmetric war game. We had a lot of fun. It only took four hours because we had no idea what we were doing. Right. We're like we're we're playing the game page by page of the rules, and then finally it's like you're playing. First you're setting it up, then you're like learning how to play, then you're feeling the game out, and then you figure out a strategy, and then one of us just wins. Right. That's basically how it goes the first time. Yeah. But we finished it up. I'm like, oh, we gotta do this one again. And he sent me an article. This this you might appreciate this because you remember you gave me that book about D and D. Yeah. And the first chapters on like god awfully long war games. Yeah. The the old grognards. Grognards. So Baruch sent me an article. We didn't talk about it because it's not perfectly relevant, but you will appreciate this one little factoid. It was designed by a guy named Richard Berg, who's like well known amongst war game board game designers. Right. And it was called the North Africa Campaign, which is basically a war game based on Rommel's invasion of North Africa. Yep. And in order to play the game to its fullest completion, it takes fifteen hundred hours of gameplay to play the full campaign. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's become like this. Le- it's not even a. No one, no one finished play testing it. No one knows if it's balanced or not. No one's even certain anyone's ever actually finished the game. But it was. It came out in the late '70s, around the time that book was set. And Berg was like, I don't know. They paid me to make it. I made it, and they released it. He he kind of made it of, to be obnoxious in some way. What do I feel so like? I, you and Baruch are now going to now are taking this as a challenge. Oh, no, 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 no. There's there's stupid things even I won't do. And that's play a, a 70s hex game that takes 15 hours, 1500 hours to play. I, I basically will, like, won't play a game if it tells me it's going to take four hours. Like, no. The only reason why I took Star Wars so long because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. But I figured you'd appreciate that little story. Even Borg, Berg was like, get a life. He literally said in the article, he's like, don't don't play this game. Get a life. Like, play it once or twice and then get a life. Hmm. All right, so if you play that game 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. it would take you almost 100 days to finish. 93.75 days. Yes. The article was like, if you got together with your friends and played it, like, like, what did they say? Three hours, twice a month. It'll take you 20 years to finish it. Wow. Yeah, don't. It's just, it's just I didn't even know that game existed until he sent me the article. I mean, if you play play 12 hours a day, it'll take 125. Take about, if you did that every Saturday, it would take you about two and a half years. Yeah, I, <laughs> no. We don't even know if it's a good game or not. I mean, I like hope they're... you fi- I hope you figure that out before hour fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'll play commands and colors every Saturday, and I'll be fine. But I'm no, yeah. nice. No, no, no. All right, all right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm dude, and you've been listening to Therefore a Geek.